vast amount of money and time and effort that goes into picking somebody. Why, why is that? What's the difference? Can you watch someone play and see if they're good or not? And the answer is, is because what they're looking for before they choose somebody is not someone that has certain physical skills. They're looking for someone with mental toughness, with a desire for the game. And if you watch sports long enough, you know that when players come out of what's called the draft, when they start their seasons, when they start their careers, it's very hard to determine who's going to make it and who's going to be great in the long run. Because greatness is built mostly around the desire to make it great, the desire to keep at it day in and day out. You get there, that first season life is amazing. You look at the stars, you look at the crowds, it's, it's awesome. You know what happens after year two and year three and it's really hard and it's grueling and your body takes a hit and maybe you get injured. It's at that moment that some people can handle it and some people can't. Life's very similar. It's the desire to keep at it. It's a desire to get up when you fall down. It's a desire to be able to push towards greatness when it's hard to not do that thing or do that thing. So we spoke yesterday about this idea of desire, but it, it leads us somewhere. This is where I want to go today. You really think about it for a second. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we did this concept called be, do, have. Being versus doing. And it was just a concept back then. But now that we've gone through rituals, I think we can understand it in a much deeper way. If you really break it down, like if you really break it down, At the end of the day, we are a product of our neuroplasticity. And the things we do shape our minds. So therefore, when we do something, who's doing the thing? Right? Who's speaking English? Am I speaking English? Or is my brain speaking English? Right? If I would speak any language in whatever country that I'm in, so place me in any country at age zero. If I was born to anyone in any country in this world, most likely I would speak that language. So now that I speak English, who is speaking English? Is, am I speaking English? Or is my brain needing to communicate, referring to words that somebody put in the computer? What is me and what is my brain? When I approach a challenge, when I reach for food that I shouldn't be eating, when I say things I shouldn't be saying, when I do, who's doing that? Is it me or is it my computer? Because at the end of the day, most of what I do really is a reaction to the world that comes because my brain goes, how do we deal with this? My brain looks into, my, into itself to find some pattern, identifies the pattern, and says, oh, that's how we deal with it. That's how we eat. That's how we talk. That's how we react. These are the things that I like doing. These are the things that I don't like doing. Well, if the reason why I have pre- likes and dislikes, the reason why I have habits, and the reason why I do certain things is because I was exposed to it enough time until it became neuroplasticity. And so as a result, my brain is filled with tons of code 
that is placed in it through the world that I've been placed in. So then, is that me? Or is that my computer? That's the question. Do you see the question? At the end of the day, when we think about a lot of the things that we do, are we doing that? The essential I? Or is it that it's an automatic response or a preferred route that has been laid down by our minds? It's the computer spitting back information. Who's calculating it? Are you calculating or are you placing numbers into a computer and the computer spits back what it needs from you? This, by the way, begins down the path of a very interesting exercise in trying to identify the essential I. At what point am I separate from that in which I do? Because if in January 1st, I speak English, and then I move, and then five years later on January 1st, I speak Hebrew, then when it comes to speech, where is it my brain? And I'm just using the computer. And where is it the essential me? This can drive you crazy if you let it. Because how do you demark? Where's the demarcation? What's me and what's my brain? What's me and what's the computer? This happens all the time. There's a lot of uh, research in terms of people that get injured and they have to rejigger their identity. Who am I? I'm not even the, much of the body that I see. A lot of, this, is, this, this applies a lot of people that are working in jobs for many years. Someone's been a lawyer for 70 years of his life. Or for, at 70 years old, he retires. Wakes up in the morning and has an identity crisis. Why? Because is he a lawyer? Am I a lawyer? What, what do you do? I'm a lawyer. Are you a lawyer? Or is what you do for a living a lawyer? Well, that matters if you're stopping to be a lawyer distinguishing you from what you do is critical because if we don't, we begin to identify with what we do or what we've done. And the more you identify who you are with what you've done, the harder it is to change when you hit a wall. One of the greatest reasons why we don't grow is because when we hit a wall and our brain goes, hold on, let me go back and find the pattern to get around this. And there is none. You don't know how to do this. You can't survive in this world. The market changes. And now all of a sudden you woke up and people are in their houses. Three months ago, you can shake a man's hand and it's not an affront or an attack. Three months ago, you can get on an airplane. It's like crazy stuff. Remember the good old days where like you went somewhere and there were 500 people and you weren't freaking out? Remember those days where you waited in line at a stadium and there was a thousand people around you and no one was having a, no one was hyperventilating? Remember the good old days? What happens when the whole world changes? Where, I don't know how to do this. What happens if there's a crisis in someone's life? What happens if there's a new challenge that's in front of you? Your brain looks and goes, can we do this? 
there's nothing for this. I've never done this before. It's at that moment where you have to decide. And for those people that are constantly thinking about this and they recognize that who I am and what I do are really distinct. I, I do what I do because there are things that are innate. There are things that are sort of personality traits that are inborn. There are genetics. There, of course, there are parts of you that are, in, that are built into the system. And things do change as you get older. But at the core, who I am and what I do are totally separate. So therefore, I, the essential me, can always change what I do. When you understand that, this becomes a certain humility that you have. Hold on, let me just tell you. When you understand that, this becomes a certain humility that we use to go forward and grow through life. Because if you go through life and you're trying to figure out what you can and can't do, you only know by what you've already done. That's why people say things like, I can't do that. I can't do that. No, I know me. I can't do that. I've never done that. I'm not the type of person that does that. This is not the thing. My, my cousin, my sister, my brother, my father, they do that. I can't do that. The reason why we say these things is because what we've done. When you hear somebody or yourself say, I can't do that, what you're saying is, I am identifying myself with what I do. Because I know what I do. I don't know who I am because who I am is a, is a, it comes from not from this world. We're a piece of God. We're, we have a soul. The soul that we have isn't able to be articulated through words. The soul that we have isn't able to be contained by physical concepts. So we really don't know who we are. We don't know the extent of who we are. We don't know the extent of what we can accomplish because we have no way, we have no mechanism of identifying, okay, this piece of me, the divine infinite piece of me, that is this contained. It has this much energy. I could turn, turn, turn to it at this moment. We don't know who that is. We don't know what that is. So what we're trying to constantly do in my life is figure out who I am. And so I'm using the easiest thing that I can use. I can use what I've done. Just like the kid in the classroom. We don't know how smart that kid is. We don't know what the kid is capable of, but what are we going to do? We're teaching kids. We got to teach a lot of them at the same time. So we give them a couple of subjects. We test them mostly on how they memorize information. And then we figure out, here's the metrics of what this kid could accomplish. And it doesn't do with anything. Most people, when they get out of school, they begin to be free. There are more people that have succeeded out of school than in school. And there are so many people that have succeeded in school. And as a result, they can't make it out of school because they're so used to playing in a tiny little box of memorization that when life throws them challenges, they can't adapt. School isn't a measure of how smart you are, but what are they going to do? They have no other choice. They have what they have. They're not going to see inside to the brilliance of another kid who has the money to like do all the testing to figure out how smart the kid is. So you put them in a room, you define basically here are the major subjects you need to know in life. Here's how we test you and we compare you against each other. And we expect that at some point we're sort of in the general right area. 
the litmus test isn't proper, but it is what it is. The litmus test to who we are isn't proper that it's by what I do. But what are we going to do? We don't have spiritual eyes. So most people, when they look at their lives, they don't know who they are. So they look at what they do and, or what they've done. And then they, they, it's like anyone else. I've done this, so I'll do this. Especially if you're like older, which means like you're over the age of 30. Because once you get out of like high school land, it's like, oh, let well, me we stop growing now. As if like you're supposed to figure your life out by 18. And now you get into like whatever the groove is the rest of your life. So we sit around and go, oh, I know who I am. And you look back. And then you look into the forward and go, I can't do that. How do you know? I know. How? Because I know me. How? Because I know what I've done. Hmm. You know what you do. And because you know what you do, you think you are who you are. And that, my friends and family, is one of the most important reasons why we can't overcome challenge. Because we identify what we've done with what we could do, and challenge is almost always new. That's why it's challenge. Because if I've done it already, it stops being a challenge. The first time I jump into a cold pool, I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't. When I do it every single day, it stops being a challenge. Part of the definition or the part of the elements of challenge is the novelty of it. And so when I face a challenge, what really stops me is that it is new. And I don't have the neuroplasticity to, re- to rely on to get around this. And it's in this moment where many people stop because there's nothing that they can figure out to get them there. And what's in front of them is not something that they've done with before, not at the level that they need to do it. So I want to change it a little bit, create a distinction today between I can and I can't to why can't I? You see, we are, we are people, by definition, that love certainty. We love knowing things. That's why this whole virus is driving us insane. Because we just don't know how to deal with it, and we hate that. We just want to figure out how to do things. We hate uncertainty. We hate discomfort. We've spoken about it plenty of times in the show. So we're always searching for some level of, of certainty. And one of the areas of certainty is what I can and can't do. So we say things like, I can do it, or I can't do it. Even when we try to psych ourselves up, we say, I can do this. I can do this. And what we're trying to do is calm ourselves down and creating a certainty that we can do something. But if we've never done it before, and we tell ourselves we've done it, we can do it, we don't really know. So as a result, that's what holds us back. No, I can do it. I can get up and do that thing. But if we've never done it, our brain goes, no, you can't. So you try to calm yourself down. No, 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 I can do it. And your brain goes, where? When? How? This drive from I can or I can't really is a drive to create some certainty of who I am. But what if we flipped it? 
and we stopped asking, stop saying I can or I can't. What we do is we say, why can't I? In trying to define the parameters of this thing called the soul, the I, the real I, as opposed to figuring out what that is, as opposed to saying it is or it isn't, why don't we approach it with a certain level of humility? I don't know what it is. I don't know how deep it goes. I have no idea who I am. Really, I've been at this for 60 years and I still don't know who I am. I have no idea how much strength I have. I don't have those tools. I don't have those eyes to see the depth of my soul. So when I approach life, my question is, my, I'm not trying to figure out what I can and can't do. I'm only thinking, why can't I? I don't know how much I can do. So why don't I just f- figure it out by trying? I've never done this before. Why can't I do it now? This is impossible. Why can't I try it? I don't know. Maybe I have something inside me that is able to transcend what is physically impossible. History has shown that a billion times. Things that were declared impossible becomes possible. You see, when we approach life with a humility that we've been given a gift called ourselves, that is the greatest gift we've ever been given, and we have a life to uncover what that really is, when you look at challenges, the challenges become the mechanisms to draw out the depth. We don't know who we are. So why not now? Why not us? Why can't I? Challenge becomes the litmus test. Not success or failure in the back. It's the newness in the front that is being used by us to determine the length and the depth of our capacity. Why can't I? Why can't we? Because we haven't. Okay, so the brain doesn't have it yet. The computer doesn't have the code yet. Does that mean I can't? All right, we'll continue this. This is a little bit of a longer conversation. We're already hitting our 920 mark. Uh, Thank you again for our gracious sponsor. We appreciate it. To Hannah Devasha Bas Rezel Rachel. May you have an incredible birthday. For those who want to watch this on demand, remember it's Facebook, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. If you want to come up live, uh, if you want to come live, let us know. We'll get you the link for the live at nine o'clock. And thank you. Have an incredible day. Start thinking about this today, just for a minute. Just sit back and try to see if you can create the demarcation. Who am I? What did I do? Being, doing. This world that allows us to open up a whole new world for us. And we'll continue this tomorrow. Have an incredible day, everybody. With God's help, I cannot wait to see you again tomorrow.